Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We are coming up on a very significant week in the life of the SEC, the life cycle of the year-to-year news of the league. It is SEC Media Days. The media can't get enough of it. They are literally at the center of it all. Most fans don't really even know that it exists, at least the average casual fan on that. But it is one of those moments in which the narrative die is kind of cast for the upcoming season. And you can kind of tell on the basis of all the questions that get asked, kind of what the what the chatter around the league is going to be. And in some years, it's certain teams and other years, it's other teams. And a team like Alabama is seemingly always at the center of all that discussion. But it is kind of an interesting thing for those of us who do this for a living to see how all of that's going to play out. Now, last year there was no SEC Media Day, so this year is a little bit of a return to normalcy in comparison to that, but you sort of get the impression, at least based on some of the recent stuff coming out of the league, there's not going to quite be a full-blown SEC Media Days. You know, I, I don't know that you're going to see – you know, uh, lobby at the hotel filled with fans cheering on their coach as they walk in. It's almost kind of like a de facto red carpet, the way that it all uh, plays out. And I say that in the loosest terms possible. But there's a but there's a little bit of that vibe that goes on. You sort of get the impression that it's not going to be quite like that. You also get the impression there's not going to be anywhere near as much media there this time as, as has been there in the past. But there are still going to be narratives that must be discussed, and one of those apparently involves the University of Georgia. I'll give you an example of this, then I'll eventually give you some pushback to it from another media member. But Paul Feinbaum, obviously one of the chief talking heads of the SEC, made his weekly appearance on the Alabama radio station WJOX this week, and Paul was asked on the show, hey, what's the big talking point going to be around SEC media days? What's everybody going to be talking about? And Feinbaum said, as I mentioned to you a moment ago, that it's kind of always Alabama. Can they repeat whatever else they are? The team, both seemingly literally and figuratively, at the center of the SEC. And yet Feinbaum said that actually there might be another talking point even bigger than whatever said about Alabama, and this will obviously be relevant for Georgia fans. This is Feinbaum from WJOX. In some ways, though, I think Georgia may be uh, as big a story or bigger because it, it's just it's amazing to me, or maybe it shouldn't be amazing, how much pressure is building on, on, on Georgia and how much attention is being focused on Kirby Smart. You know, with a record like he has, it, it's still not enough for some of the uh, you know people that uh, sit behind these microphones and decide to put uh, one of the most successful coaches in the country on the hot seat, theoretically, even though we, we all know that's not true. So Paul Feinbaum says, hey, it's the pressure that's building on Georgia that's going to be, he predicts, maybe the biggest talking point of SEC media days when it takes place coming up in just a few days' time. Now, I'm going to circle back to this, but I want to give you a little bit of evidence of why maybe Feinbaum is saying that. And I'm not saying Feinbaum was thinking about this particular point when when he said what he said, but as a way of pointing to more pressure that's at least in the media sphere that seems to be building around Georgia. Let me give you this. Matt Hayes is a longtime veteran college football writer on what time he's kind of like the national like we we, we had bill bender on sec country live last week the job that bill has now is the job that matt hayes used to have at one point in time hayes was kind of one of these big national writers around college football still writing a weekly piece for saturday down south 
And he recently this week had his stock report for all the SEC's coaches. And believe it or not, now I don't want to get too lost in like the semantic game, kind of like the the you know narrative device that a columnist likes to use. But in the stock down, trending down section of his piece, he actually put Georgia coach Kirby Smart. And I'll read you just a couple of seconds, or I should say a couple of sentences of what Matt Hayes you know wrote about this. That he says uh, that you know Georgia's trending down. He says it's not e- uh, not easy finding flaws in a coach who's played for the SEC title in three of the, the five seasons and is 44 and nine over the past four years uh georgia won the sec in 2017 but in an age where quarterback is the be all end all smart has struggled to manage the position so that's an example of some of that pressure that maybe paul feinbaum is noting building on georgia and feinbaum predicts that will be uh, a big topic of sec media days next week now let me give you two quick thoughts on this and then i'm going to let you eventually hear from someone who pushes back against all of that here's thought number one On this show, we have totally rejected the notion that it's championship or bust for Georgia. The idea that that there's some sort of timeline that's about to expire on Georgia if it doesn't win a national championship, that's clearly false. And as I've said before, that has a way of almost letting down Georgia's rivals, letting them off the hook a little too easy. This idea, well, if you can just vanquish Georgia this year, you won't have to worry about Kirby Smart and UGA anytime in the very near future. That's clearly untrue. It doesn't even make any logical sense, right? The notion that somehow the clock's going to run out on Kirby Smart, the the um, you know the it's going to boil over, and there's going to be some sort of you know end in-game scenario that plays out if Kirby Smart doesn't win a championship this year if not now win if not you know those kind of like accelerated timelines we've pushed back on that's just simply the media wanting to have something interesting to write about talk about whatever else we've kind of pushed back against that however let me be a hardcore Georgia partisan for a moment which I obviously am normally I have a Georgia shirt on today I kind of don't but uh neutral colors I guess nothing else But let me be a hardcore Georgia partisan for a moment. As someone who loves Georgia, who cheers for Georgia every Saturday, who desperately wants Georgia to win all the games that it plays, this idea that Georgia might be at the center of SEC media days next week, as Feinbaum suggests, uh, with the mounting pressure to win it all, backed up by guys like Matt Hayes, who've said, hey, listen, when you look at what Georgia's not done at the quarterback position, the way the program has trended down over the course of the last few seasons – The idea that there's a little bit of pressure building on Georgia, I actually don't count that as a bad thing. It's one of the things we love about the SEC, right? So to recap this, the idea that it's national championship or bust, that's nonsense. The idea that somehow the clock runs out on Kirby Smart if he doesn't win it this year, I think that's totally ridiculous. But the idea that Georgia is going to be at the center of the conversation and that the restlessness that some fans feel, because media takes its cue from the fans, a lot of the media who's talking about this, they're saying these things because they have had fans, either through email, tweets, phone calls to a radio show, whatever else, say that to them first. The college football narrative kind of works its way from the ground up, not really from the top down, although the ivory tower media folks would certainly like for that to be the opposite. But the the facts are the facts. Um, So... In this particular case, if I'm a Georgia fan, I actually don't mind the idea that there's a little bit of pressure on Georgia because, to be very cliche for a moment, I apologize, a cliche warning coming at you here, no pressure, no diamonds, right? That that good things happen because of the pressure to 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 perform well, and it's one of the it's one of the reasons why the SEC produces so many championships and has done so for such a long time is that the 
comparative pressure, the way that, that you know, Alabama's got pressure to win it every single year, but as it has success, all of a sudden folks at Auburn say, well, why aren't you winning that way? And then, you know, Florida doing its thing. And, you know, over the years it's been Tennessee, LSU, Georgia's been in the mix for all that there as well, that the pressure that exists across the board in the SEC actually raises the level of performance for all the programs. So you actually, I think, if you're a Georgia fan, you want the best from Georgia. Having folks saying, all right, Georgia, tapping that watch, now's the time, time to get it done – in a weird way, I do think that potentially motivates Georgia to achieve even more than otherwise would. I think it's been proven out in the SEC for a long time there, that the pressure that exists around the league, the restlessness from fans, and Georgia does not have a monopoly on that. The rest of the SEC can get fairly restless as well if it's been more than a minute or two since a big win or a championship or anything like that. It may lead to a lower quality of life for the coaches who coach in this league, but I do think it actually pushes them to be better over the course of the long haul. And it's fair to point out that just because there's pressure on Georgia to win, that is in no way evidence of the fact that Georgia somehow is destined not to win, right? These aren't questions that get asked because Georgia's an underachieving team. These are questions that get asked because I think a lot of folks anticipate the fact that Georgia could actually be on the doorstep of some pretty phenomenal achievement and the the persistent questions of when does Georgia break through, the actual answer to that may be an emphatic answer for the positive from Kirby Smart and the Georgia Bulldogs maybe as soon as this year. And in fact, yesterday on SEC Country Live, we had Stephen Lassen. Now, a lot of you know I love preseason magazines, uh, always something that, that I enjoy. Uh, Lassen is the editor for the Athlon Sports College Football Preview. And so he was with me on SEC Country Live yesterday, and I asked Stephen, I said, hey, what do you think about all this seeming mounting pressure that exists on Georgia where does that land with you, someone who kind of does preseason chatter for a living? And I thought Stephen Lassen gave an interesting answer. And if you're a Georgia fan, well, I think you're going to really like it. This is Lassen from SEC Country Live. In the SEC, it's you know it, there's an insane amount of pressure on all the coaches in the SEC. But I actually think in this case, like the perception kind of outweighs what's going on at Georgia. I mean, you can look at what Georgia has done in terms of recruiting. They may have the best roster in college football outside of Alabama, and you also look, too, you know, this program has been right there on the doorstep of winning the national championship, uh, made the playoff, they've won the SEC. Really, the last hurdle is just to beat Alabama and win it all. So I, I don't really buy that there's this, you know, crazy pressure on Kirby Smart that it's national championship or bust this year. I think it's just really a matter of time. Georgia is going to knock down that door and win a national championship sooner rather than later. There's just too much talent. There's just, uh, you know, Kirby Smart's one of the best coaches in college football. And I also think the addition of Todd Monken is kind of that missing piece. We saw this with LSU. If you want to get past Alabama, you've got to get that offense, kind of be a little bit more explosive, be a little bit more open. And I think Todd Monken's that guy. I said this on the show the other day, that Kirby Smart has proven himself in a number of instances, to be actually really good at vanquishing his critics and shutting down what appears to be a false narrative. And Stephen Lassen, I think, kind of touches on that with what he just says there. A lot of folks were like, oh, Kirby Smart's not willing to change. Kirby Smart's incapable of changing. Yet the arrival of Todd Monk and his offensive coordinator would seem to be an example of that not being true. And you saw flashes of that from Munkin in year one. I think you see even even in an expanded version of that here in year two, that this is a George offense that has – 
you know, all the recruits and all the talent you could want and just missing, as Matt Hayes alluded to, even if it was somewhat ham-handedly alluded to the lack of offensive explosion. Well, all of a sudden, the presence of Todd Munkin, as, Todd La- as, as uh, Stephen Lassen says there, may change even that. And yes, indeed, the Georgia fans who've been waiting patiently for that national championship to arrive, the evolution that's ongoing at Georgia may be being pushed by the pressure that just kind of naturally exists in the atmosphere. That may be what uh, gets that done. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and as a podcast, wherever you find them, including the world-famous dognation.com. Really glad to have you with us today. Big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. You know, they're your source for Georgia divorce. And listen, I know, we always have a good time on the show. Sometimes that D word, divorce, can be one of those things that kind of brings it all to a screeching halt. Obviously, folks notice that because you've either experienced the pain of divorce yourself, you know someone who's gone through that. Unfortunately, you may be in the midst of that right now or knowing someone close to you who's doing the very same thing. And we know the pain and anguish that can be a part of that. But here's what you can also learn there as well, that the work that gets done right now can actually set you up for more enjoyable next season of your life. And it's so, so important to take advantage of all of life seasons. And that's what this process can provide for so many people. But it's important to have a advocate on your side, a tireless fighter, worker, uh, someone who knows the intricacies of law, how they impact you specifically. That is what Meriwether and Tharp provides for you. They're your source for Georgia divorce. You can find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, and they will just educate you about the process. The initial consultation is free. They also have like blog posts and podcasts and things like that that will help you learn all about that there as well. So please check out my friends at Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Now, what's fun about Meriwether and Tharp, Bob, one of the partners there, uh, Ashley, his wife, they're actually going to be with us as well for Dog Nation Invasion coming up. Now, I told you this yesterday, and I don't have like the specific countdown number, but as predicted, we are very, very close to being completely out of the Dog Nation Invasion VIP tickets. For those of you who maybe have missed a couple of shows, quick recap on all of this. We are going to be taking the Dog Nation Invasion on the road to Charlotte for the upcoming season, and we've been selling tickets. Dognation.com, the place to go to get your tickets. We have blown through all of our tailgate-only tickets for those folks going to be in Charlotte, and we have a few really exclusive VIP opportunities left. That means luxury motor coach from Atlanta to Charlotte on that Saturday morning, full tailgate that day. By the way, the the bus completely stocked with beverages and things like that on the way down. So the party's actually rolling down the road to Charlotte there as well. If you get my drift on that, that's going to be a great time. Of course, it's hotel accommodations that night, that Saturday night there in Charlotte, and we're all coming back on the bus again there on that Sunday. So there are still a couple of VIP opportunities left to, to be involved with this, but I have been told that pretty much by tomorrow, that's not going to be the case. So so we're about to run out of these. Please secure your spot to get in there uh, if you can. By the way, just go to the top of the page at dognation.com. The the graphic to click on there in the open, uh, the top tab, it looks really cool. So uh, check that out for yourself. And, of course, big thanks to our friends at the Finnish Long Drink, Meriwether and Tharp, Kroger, R.S. Andrews. These are folks that have been with us for a long time. They love a good Dog Nation party, and this is going to be a big one in Charlotte getting ready for the dogs in Clemson. So uh, check that out, uh, dognation.com. Still a chance to secure your spot on that all right very briefly and quickly here i want to do an around the doghouse and then we'll talk to our buddy terrence edwards today on the program and one of the things we've enjoyed as of late 
are some of these social media campaigns that have pushed 2022 recruits towards Georgia. We've seen the Delp is a dog. We talked about that uh, the other day with uh, Jeff Sintel. All the various Delp is a dog. Oscar Delp, of course, the great 2022 tight end. And uh, the push by current Georgia players and recruits to kind of get him to be a part of that class. The latest example of this is going to be a fun one there as well. And I saw this from Jalen Walker, although you know Jordan Davis has tweeted this and a bunch of others there as well. For, for Travis Shaw, the five-star defensive tackle, also out of the state of North Carolina, the same state in which Walker hails. And, of course, Walker and Shaw are good friends. So this is going to be the latest campaign. My guess is you're going to start seeing a lot of this in the very near future. You see four-star linebacker commit uh, Jalen Walker giving the hashtag Shaw dog there. And I'll invite you to read the story that Jeff Sintel did with Jalen Walker the other day talking about the visit that Shaw recently took to UGA and his feeling about that and what seems to be a pretty big push by Georgia for Shaw that Shaw seems to be enjoying at the moment. And by the way, Shaw's not the only elite defensive tackle that Georgia's kind of in the mix with. We've talked before about Walter Nolan. Sort of feels like we'll be talking about that one a lot more there as well. So this is an example of kind of the creative stuff that was forced to be undertaken last year during the pandemic when there were no visits and some of this carrying over even in a year like 2021 when there are visits. These semi-organic but certainly very fun social media campaigns, Georgia recruits, Georgia players pushing other recruits to join them at UGA. I think that's a really cool thing to be able to see, and I'm uh, really, really happy uh, to see Travis Shaw, Shaw be the subject of all that right now. All right, it's great to have you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp today. Before we're done, some very interesting stuff around the SEC, including a pretty radical idea coming out of Florida that, listen, around here we're going to kind of disagree with just because it's the Gators. But I do think it opens up an interesting conversation, so we'll do that before we're done. And for everything else happening around the world of UGA, no better voice to speak to all of that about than the uh, great former Georgia wide receiver. He is Terrence Edwards. He joins us here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, and great to have you with us as well. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Always great to have Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. Certainly appreciate his time and the uh, great things uh, that he does for the football players of this state, helping train them up and getting them ready for that next level. And, of course, that uh, performance is on Friday night and everything else. We'll talk to him about that before we're done here on the show. Terrence, thanks for making some uh, time for us today. Really appreciate that. And as I said before, I certainly hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, B.A. So let me start with this. And, and Terrence, I like your opinion on this because I think of you as kind of a level-headed guy. You don't get too high. You don't get too low. You just kind of keep it, you know, kind of in the middle, which is an appropriate mood to strike. And, you know, fans talk a lot about pressure. And there's a obviously a restlessness among UGA fans because this program obviously wants to break through and win a national championship. And sometimes the media notices that. I played some audio of Paul Feinbaum a little earlier talking about pressure building on Georgia. And that may be being a topic at SEC Media Days next week. And everything along those lines, you know, where do you kind of come down on that about, you know, the fact that Georgia's been in the mix now for a number of years under Kirby Smart and still looking to break through in a big way? Obviously, a lot of fans think that's eventually going to happen, but until it does, it just seems like a natural fact that there's going to be a little bit of restlessness until that does indeed take place. Is that fair to say? It's fair, and I think it's more of a fan's perspective than a in-house perspective. I know these guys are you know, working their, their tails off to be the best players, be the best team they could be. Uh, and the goal every year, is, uh, especially when I was there, is to win the East first, then win the SEC championship, then get an opportunity 
to play for a national championship. So they're going to go and focus on their goals at hand. And I don't think anyone in that building, especially the players, maybe some coaches, but not the players, doesn't feel pressure to win a national championship. But that's their goal to win. I didn't go in that building like, oh, we got to win, we got to win, or else. But we want to win, and we're working our tails off to win. But I think the pressure is more on of, of a fan perspective than more of a player perspective. That makes sense to you, B.A. No, I think that's uh, really smart. I think that's really well said. And I guess the question I'd also ask is, in the SEC, where if you're a wide receiver, you know defensive backs are working hard the entirety of the offseason because they all want to get the accolades that come from being great. Other receivers are working really hard to produce as many stats as they can. The other teams that you might be playing are working really hard. I've always been under the assumption that the cumulative pressure that kind of builds around the SEC actually makes individual players, teams better because, you know – as you said, there's more internal pressure on the part of the players to be the best they can be than maybe external pressure of what's being pushed on them by fans, media, and everything else. But knowing that your rival, Florida or Auburn or whoever else, is working to be as good as it can be, doesn't that, during the offseason, maybe push you a little bit there as well, knowing that there are teams on your schedule that are going to challenge you to be the very best that you can possibly be? Most definitely. I think the, the motivation comes from each player want to be the best player that they could be. That's the first and foremost. I think each player as a kid have have had dreams of playing in the NFL. So selfishly, they're thinking about themselves. How can I make myself better? And when you make yourself better, you make your team better. As long as you're doing it in the constraints of a team atmosphere, there's nothing wrong with a player saying, I want to be the best player I can be. Uh, in turn, that makes the team better. And they're also looking at, you know, people around SEC. You're looking at, you know, I need to, as a receiver, I want to be better than Jabbar Gaffney or yeah. Taylor Jacobs. I want to be better than Cedric Wilson. I want to be better than those, uh, those guys around the league. So I went in to push myself to be better than, than those guys. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the same thing like the, you know, like the middle Georgia area where you kind of come from. You know, so many good high school players coming out of there, so many good high school teams coming out of there. Sometimes you see that from a high school perspective there as well, that when you're around other good players, when, you know, when your high school is near another high school that's kind of getting it done at a high level, and I know you've talked about, you know, uh, guys like Jocko S. Green, others that kind of you know, come from your part of the world, that – that 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 proximity to other you know successful players and successful teams has a way of being contagious, doesn't it? It does. It does. I mean, you, you just see, like growing up, uh, you know, it, I'm a real good friend of Paris Price now. Uh, before that, I watched those guys grow up and win national championships. Uh, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be Peter Warwick, and now I'm really good friends with Peter Warwick. Huh. So those guys push you <laughs> to be the best because you want to be and do what they have done. You know. Peerless and, and, and Tito both won national championships. So you want to be able to, I can do the exact same thing. So you push yourself internally to be the best player that you can be. And if you be the best player that you could be, that is a cancer because now everybody's trying to be the best player that they can be. And if your best player on the team works as hard, then everyone else has to line up and line. I think that's what makes Tom Brady the best. He's not the best quarterback in my mind talent-wise. But he's the best player, and he everyone aligns with him that makes the teams he's all better. I think that's really interesting. Hey, one more thing on this topic that will change the subject. I talked about SEC media days. I apologize for not remembering. You were a senior in 2002 at Georgia. Did you attend SEC media days uh, that, that year? Did you have all those cameras and microphones in your face back then? I, as, as I said, I apologize for not remembering. 
No, I didn't go. Uh, I think offense, John Stintz called me okay. or David. And on defense, I think it was Tony or both. But uh, I didn't go. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of players actually probably enjoy uh, avoiding that because, let's face it, that's a lot to do in one day, having to go from room to room and have all those microphones in your face and uh, cameras in your face and being asked a lot of questions. Of course, it's even bigger now than maybe would have been uh, back then. I'm sure a lot of players were glad to let that responsibility fall with someone else, essentially having to give the same answer to the same question about two or 300 times over the course of a single day. Oh, well, and I think the right guy offensively uh, would have been John Sinscom, uh to, be to go and represent the offense for us. Uh, he is Georgia football. He is a brother of mine, so that was probably the best choice. And I can't remember if Tony or Boss went, but those two guys was the leader of the defense. And, uh, very well spoken, and uh, those was probably the best choices we had to represent the Georgia Bulldogs at that time. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, let me change the subject here for a moment. This week we saw four-star wide receiver Coach Oentwi choose Ohio State instead of UGA. And, you know, listen, that was not necessarily unexpected news. It seems like Antweed had a good relationship with Brian Hartline, the Buckeyes wide receiver coach for a while, and Ohio State typically does really good with wide receiver recruitment. But it does leave some fans kind of wondering, you know, about the state of Georgia's wide receiver recruitment and how much of a destination this is for elite players. Now, sometimes these are guys that sign with Georgia out of high school, like uh, Marcus Rosemey Jackson or Justin Robinson or whoever else you want to mention, Jermaine Burton. Sometimes these are guys that go somewhere else of originally and kind of veer back towards George like what's happening with Eric Gilbert right now but you know certainly in terms of collecting huge numbers of elite four and five star talent seems like Georgia has lagged behind the receiver position a bit in comparison to its recruitment of other positions what do you think the perception is of the Georgia wide receiver spot uh, by the kinds of elite recruits that you're working with on a daily basis it's just one thing it's the offense that we run it's nothing against a coach is nothing against the school. They just, you know, those guys want to put up numbers. And you go to other schools that have the tradition that we don't have at the position. Yes, you know, you, you have me, you have AJ, you have Hines, but you just think about the Alabama room. I think it was uh, the coach at Ole Miss now. Uh, uh, the head coach changed Lane the Kiffin, offense yeah. around. Right. Uh, Lane Kiffin, he changed the offense. I mean, you just think about the receivers before Lane Kiffin. Yes, you had Julio. Uh, but you can't really name another one that like that had in the last so ten years. He changed the offense around from a running gun that was just like us. They were running back, you pounding the ball three yards in a cloud of dust. That was their offense. Played great defense. Lane Kiffin came in, changed that culture from a really a run power running team to a been able to throw the ball. And I think Monken is on that track. And once you see. Uh, these guys, because they love Georgia. They love the school. They just now, as a receiver, they want to go to a place like Alabama, Ohio State, that has a proven track record and show that there's one, a developing, which I think Georgia is developing players. Uh, but two, they want to put up the gaudy numbers that these other guys are being able to put up. So that's the perception that we have right now that I think uh, we can kick. Uh, but you, you got to think, we had three receivers drafted two yeah. years ago. So so Hank Tennant is doing a great job recruiting those guys. He had a great recruiting class two years ago, and I think he's he's finding players that he's developed. But I just think the fans is getting overly worried about the the that room because of what the success of Ohio State and Alabama has had the last few years. And I think Alabama has done the best. I mean, you have five first rounders in the same room together. That just that is unheard of. I don't know if you ever see that again. 
but that is where Georgia fans would like to see us, and I think we will get there with the 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 show that we will put on this year. Let me finish with this. We've talked a little bit about NIL before, and now it's kind of here. You've seen a few deals struck for some of these players. What has been your reaction to the start of the NIL era thus far? It's off and running. And as a someone like myself, uh, I'm enjoying seeing these guys been able to uh, get their name, likeness, and image, uh, been able to get compensated for that because – before, uh, let's just be honest. When I signed that love intent, when I played, basically their own Georgia owned everything about me. Um, I couldn't capitalize off my God-given name. I couldn't capitalize off anything. Now these kids get capitalized. Uh, mm. It's fast and furious. But I just think that only the top guys would get the big money. And when I say big money, I don't know what it is. I saw the quarterback from Miami get twenty thousand dollars for an endorsement deal. Uh, but I, I think it would calm down at some point and people will realize that it's not as big of a deal that they're making it. But there are some issues like we talked about last week. It's the tax issue. Now, that is a real issue in my opinion, and these players are really going to be educated uh, on that. I, I honestly believe every school should hire an in-house tax guy who can prep these kids and help them through this process. I mean, that's really interesting. Terrence, before we let you go, as I said, when you joined us, you're doing great work as a wide receiver coach. You're coaching guys up. You've been working hard the entirety of the summer, and that's going to continue as we head towards the fall. Remind folks that they can get in touch with you if they want some of that specialized training that you can provide them. Oh, you can find me on all social medias at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for the great work that you're out there doing. Obviously, you're inside on Georgia football, valuable for us there as well. We'll look forward to speaking to you soon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Interesting stuff there from uh, Terrence Edwards. There's actually some new NIL news out there today around the SEC. We'll touch on some of that in a moment. Before that, let me remind you, my friends, at the Finish Long Drink. I told you before, uh, Finish Long Drink loves a great party, and they're going to be a part of the big party with us. Dog Nation Invasion rolling on to Charlotte. Bus stocked up with that Finish Long Drink. Enjoying that on the way to the Queen City and, of course, uh, so much else there as well. And if you haven't tried this yet, you really need to. So many of you have tried it. It's now a staple that you're enjoying when you're at the pool or you're playing golf or whatever it is, fishing, whatever else you're doing here this summer. You know, it's a ready-to-drink cocktail. What that means is you pop the top on the can, you can drink it right out of the can, pour it into a glass, whatever else. It's a mixed drink that you don't have to mix. And listen, I'm all about making life more efficient uh, and less work. And that's what the Finnish Long Drink can provide for you. Been popular in Finland. Starts in Helsinki back in the 1950s, back when the Summer Games was were there. And been in the United States of America for the last couple of years, now in Georgia, or really wherever you are there as well. So check out thelongdrink.com. That's the website, thelongdrink.com. And you can learn more about where it is close to you, how you can get it. Try the cranberry, try the original, which is like the citrus flavor, the long drink strong, the long drink zero, all kinds of options. I love it. I like the strong liquor kick. I'm not going to lie to you. But I also like the citrus flavor. It's just a good, ready-to-drink cocktail right out of the can. You cannot beat that. Uh, the finish long drink. Try that today. All right, speaking of players cashing in, at least to a degree, on their name, image, and likeness, I thought this was interesting. We talked about this on SEC Country Live yesterday. There is a barbecue joint in Fayetteville, Arkansas, Wright's Barbecue, that has given an NIL deal to kind of the collective Arkansas offensive line. Wright's Barbecue puts this out there, tags the players. They also give you the hashtag body by barbecue. I don't know that there's ever been a more apt description of me than that. My name, image, likeness, 
my likeness has been greatly influenced by BBQ. I'm a little bit more BBQ than NIL, to be honest with you. Uh, so good for Wright's Barbecue, kind of helping the Arkansas players cash in there on that. And there's a lot about NIL I don't really like. I'm not going to lie to you and pretend otherwise on that. I'm very suspicious of some of the cheerleaders in the media who seem to want you know this to to be even bigger. I have a lot of skepticism about some of that. I'm just a little bit of the old man on the porch about some of that kind of stuff. I don't mind telling you, but this is an example of how it can be fun, right? I mean, who doesn't like the idea of a collective offensive line around the SEC getting the you know get, getting the barbecue deal together? I mean, that's something we can kind of all be uh, behind and all be for. I just think that's kind of really fun all the way around. And I know some people reacted to what Charles Barkley said on SEC Country Live yesterday in regards to you know there's being disharmony in the locker room on the basis of who gets what deal and who gets who, who who doesn't you know kind of get that thing the the hierarchy that gets established there and some of you've kind of mentioned that to me on Twitter I don't necessarily agree with Sir Charles on that I mean I think players kind of already understand the the ranking in terms of fame and all kinds of you know prestige that comes from certain positions over the others I don't necessarily think that's an issue but it is probably a good thing for team chemistry. I, I won't deny that. That when the entirety of the offensive line is, you know, recognized by a barbecue joint like this, it's kind of interesting stuff all the way around there. I also thought this was interesting. Pat Dooley is a longtime reporter covering the Florida Gators for the Gainesville Sun forever. Dooley was kind of the guy around the Florida program for forever, and I don't think he's really working full time anymore. And you know, kind of the internet changes some of that anyway. But Dooley's been a guy around the Florida program forever. And in light of a story that has gained some prominence in recent days of there's being a push, and I say that pun intended, remembering the Bush push from back in the Reggie Bush era, some some sort of push to restore Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. And this really kind of falls on the Heisman Trust. It's not an NCAA issue. But the idea that that Bush would regain his Heisman Trophy status after that award was taken from him because of what was alleged as improper benefits while he was at USC. And so there's a chance this happens because that's just kind of the way that things go, that Bush may get the Heisman Trophy back. So here's what Pat Dooley wrote on Twitter, and I thought this was interesting. He says, if the NCAA reinstates Reggie Bush so he can get his Heisman, shouldn't the SEC reinstate Florida's 84, 85, and 1990 SEC championship teams? Pat Dooley says he's asking for a friend. Now, first of all, if you've had three SEC titles taken away because of NCAA sanctions, then I feel like you got to look in the mirror, right? I mean... If there's a long list of SEC titles that were taken from you because of stuff that you were doing that was, at least at the time, coloring outside the lines, then you got a, probably an issue. Plus, he mentions the 85 title. Didn't Georgia beat Florida 24-3 in 1985? So I'm not even sure how much I'd even be bragging about that necessarily. But it does bring up an interesting point, that if we are now in the NIL era where players can you know profit off their, off their being – then all kinds of stuff from the past all of a sudden don't quite seem quite as scandalous now as they would have in the past. So there's a huge door that gets opened up by this. You give Bush the Heisman back, which I don't really care about one way or another. I mean, I've never been a believer that you could actually take an accomplishment from someone anyway. We all saw it. Same thing with like the Fab Five going to the Final Four and things like that. You can take the banners down, but you can't actually erase the accomplishment. So I've never really believed that kind of stuff was real anyway, although in, in Bush's case, he certainly believes it to be a real thing, and he's spoken out about it. But if you give Bush back the Heisman, you know, a school like Florida says, okay, we are going to reclaim these SEC titles. And then a slightly different situation. Think about Auburn in 
1993 that was you know best team on the radio back at the time not able to play games on tv banned from postseason because of ncaa fractions i wouldn't put it past those knuckleheads at auburn to claim a national championship from 1993 right i mean you know all of a sudden all kinds of doors gets opened up in fact let me throw this out there for a moment you tell me if this makes sense so if Florida is going to claim SEC titles because of name, image, likeness, and Pat Dooley doesn't work for Florida, but I'm sure folks in Gainesville within the program are reading what he's writing there, then what's stopping a school like Georgia from saying that, hey, uh, based on the current rules, it was improper to suspend Todd Gurley back in 2014. So therefore, that loss to Florida in 2014 – we're not going to officially claim that on our record anymore. I mean, Georgia and Florida have forever disagreed on the number of games that have been played between these two teams. Uh, Georgia could essentially say, we were forced to play that game without Todd Gurley, therefore that game is going to be considered a no contest. I mean, if that's the door that's getting opened up here, I mean, I think the teams should just push the envelope about you know how they're going to reinterpret their past in light of the name, image, likeness era. So interesting stuff from Pat Dooley. I actually think that's a pretty good conversation starter, even if I am instinctively just going to mock anything the Gators say. Uh, Wes Rucker's a guy who covers Tennessee, writing recently for 24-7 Sports, had what I thought was a very interesting take on the Tennessee Vols, and it's probably worth considering here as well as one of Georgia's chief rivals in the SEC East. So this is Wes Rucker in no uncertain terms laying it out there for Vols fans for what he expects to happen for this upcoming season. He says, I'm not sure Tennessee can be very good this season, which I think most Vols fans probably realize. And then Rucker goes on to say at 24-7 Sports, so Tennessee better be entertaining. It better keep people's attention. It better show people a glimmer of hope for the future. And I think, for the most part, Rucker's probably right about that. I don't expect Tennessee to win very many games, certainly not bowl eligible. I think they could be in contention to be the worst team in the SEC here this year. But if they can be bad by scoring points, the fact of the matter is, Fans are just more tolerant of high-scoring losses than they are low-scoring losses. They, they may pretend otherwise, but the truth is that's just kind of how the way that works out. That if the offensive-minded Heupel, who does have more experience than a guy like Shane Beamer, if he can score more points than him, score more points than Clark Lee at Vanderbilt, you know some of these you know other guys that are out there right now, if you are able to do that, then I do think that buys Heupel some time to maybe establish his program for starting in 2022. Kind of what some writers kind of call a year zero scenario. This may be being that for Josh Heupel. The way to survive a year zero, to give yourself a build a foundation foundation for the future, is to score some points. And Heupel, because he was a good quarterback at Oklahoma and he was a successful offensive coordinator at Missouri and he's at least got some head coaching experience, you'd think he has a chance to do that. I think Wes Rucker's words there are probably worth paying attention to. That might be a pretty good way to evaluate uh, – uh, Hypel and Tennessee for the upcoming season. Very quickly, just because I think this is kind of funny, I saw where Eli Drinkwitz on Twitter uh, called out one of his neighbors. So it, it's tough to be in the SEC, right? But maybe for Drinkwitz, it's actually tough to be in his own neighborhood, putting it on Twitter and tagging his wife, one of his own neighbors flying a South Carolina flag. Now, first of all, it's kind of interesting to see Drinkwitz there in Como, Columbia, Missouri, someone apparently from the other Columbia in South Carolina now living there. Uh, it takes a lot of guts to uh, fly the South Carolina flag in Eli Drinkwitz's neighborhood, but that's apparently what one of Drinkwitz's neighbors was doing. I think that's actually pretty funny, and I think Eli Drinkwitz is actually a pretty entertaining guy. Speaking of SEC Media Days, this will be his first this year, given the fact that there wasn't one last year. I think that Drinkwitz might do pretty well in a format like that. I think folks probably will like him. Before we wrap up, let me also quickly give a shout-out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, solutions-based company, 
That means that they want to roll up their sleeves, do good work for you when it comes to your foundation, your waterproofing issues. You see the evidence around your house of the fact that you may have a concern there. Cracks in the foundation, cracks in the walls, water creeping in when it rains. Don't put that off. Get that taken care of today. Call the number. Just simply dial 678-ESOG now. It's very easy to remember. 678-ESOG now. That'll get you in touch with Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They're longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. They are proud partners of UGA there as well. It makes them fun to do business with, but they've got two full-time engineers on staff there as well. They'll do good work for you for your foundation and your waterproofing issues. All right, we have a very good golden shoe today, and I want to make sure I give this due respect because this took a lot of work our buddy uh, seth rhodes has actually won one of these already this week this may be his magnum opus if you will can we show this on the screen here for a moment uh now listen you have me at hello when you go star wars references but um seth writes on twitter i had to do a little something with football season upcoming so on the left side of the screen for those of you not watching radio uh, podcast. It's the scene from episode six in um, Return of the Jedi with Jabba the Hutt as the Florida Gators, with Georgia as uh, Princess Leia. Actually, this may be the most like scandalous thing we've done on Talk Nation Daily with the scantily clad Leia there on the screen. But Georgia is Leia. But then Seth has got 2021 Leia choking Jabba the Hutt, which is the Florida Gators. That is very funny from Seth. That is very creative. A very worthy golden shoe winner here for today. By the way, Gator Hater Countdown. How about 114 days? We'll see you tomorrow at Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. And on the podcast, I'm now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. As I'm getting ready to record this, we actually have some late-breaking news. This is something we talked about on the show the other day, of course, by the time you know, the podcast, one of those things, you listen to it whenever you want to. It is an on-demand product, of course. So by the time most of you hear this, this will be relatively old news. And this is something we've actually spoken about on the show a few days ago, that Demetrius Robertson is officially heading now to Auburn. The Georgia receiver who put his name in the transfer portal, and Auburn kind of emerged as one of his top targets almost immediately. Auburn is incredibly thin at the receiver position, so there's clearly an open path towards playing time for Robertson there. And I'll, I guess I'll recycle some of what I've said about this in the past. I'm sure I'll talk about this more on the the show tomorrow as well. But I think the Demetrius Robertson experiment at Georgia was an experiment worth undertaking. That, you know, D-Rob had a good freshman year at Cal. And obviously I assumed he'd be better at Georgia than he turned out to be. And I would say that his first season on campus at Georgia, I probably blamed Georgia for not using him more. And then in 2019, I think that Georgia did try to use him a little bit more, and it wasn't quite working out. At that point in time, I think there was a little bit of a transition. I'm not saying I did this, but I certainly saw other people do this, that some folks kind of started to get down on D-Rob a little bit. And, you know, look, sometimes things are just what they are, and there's not necessarily anyone to blame. It's not Georgia's fault they didn't get more out of him, and it's not Robertson's fault, maybe, that he wasn't better at Georgia than he was. Sometimes it's just ends up not being a good fit and you kind of don't know that going into the scenario that it's going to truly work out that way so honestly I don't really have a bad thing to say about D-Rob as he exits the Georgia program and he now becomes a UGA rival playing for Auburn so I clearly won't be rooting for his success speaking of course as a fan here for a moment but I don't have any particular ill will towards him either that this is a guy who apparently saw some writing on the wall for him at the end of this spring, that especially with the arrival of Eric Gilbert, that he just might not have uh, the playing time this season that he wants. This is one of the ways in which I think the transfer portal is actually supposed to work. Now, you can talk about, you know, um, 
you know, interconference transfers, things like that, if you want. And I've obviously expressed some opinions about that in the past. But, you know, the idea of a guy just not getting to play as much as he wants and using that as a way of moving on somewhere else, that's kind of the the type of transfers that I think most of us are probably okay with. So obviously I can't cheer for Robertson playing for Auburn, but I don't wish him poorly either. So this is happening. Uh, that'll be out there, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about that on the show tomorrow. Also, uh, something that I got on Twitter yesterday in relationship to something that came up on SEC Country Live yesterday. Of course, we do that show every every Wednesday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the SEC Country video channels. And played some audio of Charles Barkley making an appearance on the Dan Patrick Show, expressing some of his concerns about name, image, and likeness. One of the things that Barkley brought up was what he thought was the potential for locker room dissension on the basis of who's getting paid what. And I said, I didn't necessarily buy into that. I wasn't too worried about locker room dissension there in a discussion like that. However, William Perry, who's one of our frequent commenters, uh, reached out on Twitter to say that he agreed with a lot of what I had to say, but he sides with Charles Barkley about the locker room division. He says, you already have enough jealousy about playing time. Uh, Now just put the worst spoiler of all time, money on the table, it's going to be bad. So that's William's prediction on this. Obviously, locker room division can be an issue for a lot of college football teams. And I guess my point is I'm not really quite so sure how much name, image, likeness accelerates what can already be an issue. Good coaches, that's one of the things they know going into any season. They have the the potential to have to deal with. That's not necessarily a new thing. I guess like the one issue that I have, the concern that I have with the name, image, likeness is not so much how the presence of this new money impacts the locker room chemistry. It's my concern is more related to the presence of new voices. I just am a big believer. I know this may sound trite or Pollyanna-ish or however you want to describe it, but I'm just a big believer in the value of the impact that a coach can make on the players' lives. That that voice, that voice of coaching them up, making them better, preparing them for next phase of life, whether it be you know football or or you know some sort of profession outside the boundaries of sports, whatever else. I just believe that coaches are are really good at that. I, mean, I think the the access to that kind of coaching makes the college football players and college athletes in general among the most privileged people on the planet to get that kind of development for free. It's subsidized by ticket buyers and TV rights holders, and uh, it's a level of training then provided for free to the players themselves. And the cost to the player, if it wasn't paid for by other means, would be incredibly expensive. And so I just really believe in the value of the voice of the coach. And I would say that when you open the door for more NIL advisors and more voices speaking to the players kind of outside the the typical vetted advice provided by a coach that's one of the things that I think if there's going to be any kind of locker room dissension locker room division I think that's the kind of thing that produces it the money alone I don't think necessarily creates that but it is an interesting perspective shared by William Perry there and of course we always love when your comments are a part of what we do here so reach out in the comments section at dognation.com or hit me up on twitter at dognationdaily you can be a part of our rs andrews podcast cool down big thanks to rs andrews making it possible there as well if your tired air conditioning unit is on its last legs rs andrews can get it juiced up ready to go for the summer that's still on its way it's the 99 dollar mega tune-up check them out online rsandrews.com they'll tell you a whole lot more about that we'll see you tomorrow for dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp i will look forward to speaking to all of you then